0: Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright. This is the video's teaching series, Our Motives from God's Perspective, Part 2. And this is lesson number 2 of Part 2. Uh, part 1 talked about, of course, the, uh, how God views our motives and how critical motives are from God's perspective. Uh, and motive as to why I do what I do. Well, it's one thing to know that I have a wrong motive. It's another thing to know the source of that wrong motive. And part two is trying to explain one of the key sources, probably the number one source in most people of their wrong motives, and that is shame. A lot of people don't even think about shame. They don't even know what shame is. A lot of people don't realize they have any shame at all because shame is so deeply rooted and affects us so subconsciously that we're not aware of it. So, shame equals wrong motive. True humility equals right motive. Shame is not humility. No matter how negatively I think about myself, Shame is not humility, so in part one of the series, our motives deter uh, we, we discussed how our motives determine to what extent God is able to use us. Shame directly affects our motives in a negative manner. just to try to get on the same page here together uh, shame let's look at it from the world's perspective a little bit. Shame, by definition, uh, from uh, dictionary.com, I believe it was, uh, a, is a painful emotion caused by consciousness of guilt, shortcoming, it, or impropriety. Uh, it is the susceptibility such, to such an emotion. So it's not only the emotion, but shame is what is, has happened to me that makes me susceptible to having that emotion. The second definition is a condition of humiliating disgrace or dispute. So it it's an event that becomes a condition uh, eventually. Okay, things happen to me, and then they produce an emotion. The emotions stay there until I have this condition. It is uh, according to Wikipedia, and I just read a little bit of this because it it's it's good from a natural perspective. Uh, according to Wikipedia. Shame is an unpleasant, self-conscious emotion typically associated with a negative evaluation of the self. Now, that's absolutely true. Uh, Withdrawal of motivations and the feelings of distress, exposure, mistrust, powerlessness, and worthlessness. All of those can be found in people with shame and more. All of those can be found with people with shame in the Bible, specifically mentioned. When people feel shame the focus of their evaluation is on the self or their self-identity. Shame specifically attacks the way I see myself, the way I feel about myself. And I conclude that the way I see myself and the way I feel about myself is the way everybody else, including God, that that's the way they see me and the way they feel about me. Now, I've already said in the previous video that, Feelings don't have to be true to be real. So these feelings are very real. But what I, the conclusion of these feelings are not real. It's, they're lies. They're lies. Uh, Shame is associated with mental undoing. Studies of shame showed that when ashamed people feel their entire self is worthless, powerless, and small, they also feel exposed to an audience real ima- or imagined, that exists purely for the purpose of confirming that the self is worthless. Whoa. All of our interpersonal relationships are affected by shame, with people, with ourselves, and with God. They're all affected by shame. Shame and the sense of uh, self is stigmatized or treated unfairly like being overtly rejected by parents in favor of siblings' needs and is assigned externally by others regardless of one's own experience or awareness. An individual who is in a state of shame will assign the shame internally from being a victim of the environment, a victim of their experiences, and the same is assigned externally or assigned by others regardless of one's own experience or awareness. Thus, a sense of shame. Is a feeling known as guilt, but consciousness and awareness of shame as a state or condition defines core toxic shame. So shame is not just a feeling. It's not just a sense of shame. It's not just an emotion. It becomes a condition or as was titled is the title of this series part two of our motives from God's perspective. It becomes a lifestyle. Shame becomes a lifestyle. But because shame is so negatively focused on self, it's still focused on self. It doesn't matter if my focus on myself is negative. I'm still self-focused. And that becomes very destructive in all of my relationships my relationship with myself, my relationship with others, my relationship with God. Again, a sense of shame is the feeling known as guilt, but consciousness or awareness of shame is a state or it's a condition defined as toxic. The key emotion in all forms of shame is contempt usually contempt for yourself. As I said in my testimony in the last lesson, on my good days, I didn't like myself. On my bad days, I hated myself. What is wrong with you, right? Can't you do anything right? What's wrong with you? Don't you want to go to heaven? Why do you act like this? What's wrong with you? Well, as a person who has been overweight and is less overweight now, uh, than I was, I can tell you right now, shame is a very poor motivation for losing weight. Because you may lose weight because you're ashamed of how heavy you are, but you can't keep it out al- off. You can't keep it off if shame is your motivation. Because when you begin to lose that weight and you feel better and better about yourself, then shame is no longer as effective as a weight loss motive, and guess what? You feel better. You look better. So you, you feel better about yourself. So it's okay now to start eating the stuff I like and the stuff I used to binge on. And what happens? You don't just put the weight back on, but you put back on more than where you started from. And it doesn't matter what you're trying to motivate yourself with shame for. Negative motivation against self to get self to do something that's not doing may get you moving, but it can't keep you moving. And it can't get you where you're wanting to go. This is especially true in God. It's especially true in God. The motive that God approves of is love, not self-hate or self-blame. Shame is self-hate. It's negative feelings about self and it's self blame. Now, I, I, when my mother caught this boy molesting me over a period of time, who did I blame? I long stopped blaming the boy, and eventually I stopped blaming my mother for making me feel this way because she rejected me. I blamed me. This is all on me. I'm not worthy. I'm damaged goods. Something's wrong with me. Because if I was, if I wasn't damaged, my mother would love me. Well, sure, sure, she loved me, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't feel it. I couldn't receive it from her because she didn't think I was good enough. That's what I thought. In my heart of hearts, deep inside of me, even though on a natural level, on the on, on the uh, on the surface level in our interpersonal relationships, naturally, outside of me. She and I had a good relationship. But in here, I'm thinking secretly she thinks I'm damaged. She can't get over what I've done, what I've participated in. Well, after God dealt with me and healed me and I talked to her about it, she was shocked that I thought she felt that way about me. But I believed it because I felt it because that's what shame does. Let me finalize here the uh, uh, the reading from Wikipedia on shame. The key emotion in all forms of shame is contempt. Two realms in which shame is expressed are the consciousness of self as bad and self as inadequate. ha, <laughs> ha. Bingo, bullseye. It's absolutely true. That's how shame makes you feel. It's somehow on some level I'm bad. I go to church, I pray, I'm trying my best to obey the word of God. But on some level, every mistake is because I'm bad. Not because I'm a human being with a sinful nature that God chose to leave there during this period called time or temporal time. That's not what's wrong. That's what Paul had to come to the revelation of. But even the revelation brought him to a place where he knew he needed deliverance. Well, I needed deliverance, but I didn't know I needed to be delivered. So I I had these feelings about myself, but I didn't know how to get out of that. Let me finish reading here. People employ negative coping responses to counter deep-rooted, associated sense of shameworthiness. The shame cognition may occur as a result of the experience of shame effect, or more generally in any situation of embarrassment, dishonor, disgrace, inadequacy, humiliation or chagrin, etc, etc etc. So if you have shame and you seem to be doing well, but it's still there, lying dormant, it only takes a situation, either what I do. Or the way somebody looks at me or says something to me, even if they don't know they are, or they to purposely do or say something to me that's negative. All of a sudden, that shame that was dormant kicks up and begins to say negative things to me about me. So what do I, what do I do? I have to begin to try to defend myself. And defensive people have learned to be offensive. The best offense is a good A good defense is a good offense. So if you're on the offense, the offense, you don't need to defend yourself because you're putting the other guy on the defense. And so he can't attack you if he's on the defense. So people with shame that feel threatened and feel like they're being uh, uh, put down are so sensitive to this that their immediate reaction, is to get defensive and it doesn't take long for being defensive to go on the offense. Now, what do I do when it's God I'm treating like this? What do I do? What do I do when it's God I'm treating like this? What do I do when I'm responding to God like that? He lets something happen. That's bad. I thought you loved me. If you loved me, you wouldn't let this happen. If you loved me, you'd give me this. If you loved me, you'd give me that. You're not giving me this. That means you don't love me. Nobody is more manipulative than people with shame. They need approval, their own and others and God's, so bad because they don't approve of themselves. They need that. They're trying to get that to override the feelings they have about themselves. And so that they have to manipulate. It's manipulation. If you love me, you do this. Everything is about rejection with them. I've been there, done that. Everything's about rejection. Now that's a bad thing where when you're in the pulpit. And you got a word from God and you're ministering. And you feel people rejecting the word, but you take it personal because they're not rejecting the word. They're rejecting me. They're supposed to be trusting me. They're supposed to be believing me. And I've got a word from God, and they're rejecting me. You can't reject God. So they got to be rejecting me. So before I knew it, something would rise up in me, and my defensiveness would go on the offense. You're going to reject me? I'm going to fix you. Now that wasn't my conscious thought. That was all going on inside me in my inner man. That was all going on there. And the next thing I know, I'm being harsh. It's one thing be direct, but I was being—I'd be mean, and you knew I was being mean because there was an edge to what I was saying. There was an edge in my voice. There was an edge in my attitude. And I wasn't just preaching to help. I was preaching to hurt. I didn't, even, and I would. I'd get through preaching. I'd want to go hide someplace. What have I done? Why have I acted like that? I didn't even understand what was going on because it was coming out of the deepest depths of me. That part of me that was so protective of this damaged person was being threatened. And I had to defend it. I had to defend it. My friend, there is no greater source of wrong motives than shame because I need to win people's approval because I don't approve of myself. I want God to brag about me. I want God to bless me as a sign of his approval. I want him to do it want him to do it. Why? Because I I don't approve of myself. So if I can do things for you to get you to brag on me, I'm thinking that that will help me convince myself I'm okay. If I can get God to brag on me, uh, give his approval of me, then I can override the feelings of negative feelings I have about myself. But that's the big lie. People would brag on me, and my I would use their bragging on me to judge them. If you were so spiritual, you would know who I really am. I am so damaged. And you wouldn't be saying this stuff about me. You know, God How can you approve of me? You know how bad off I am. Really? Really? We've given a natural description of shame. Let's talk about it here in the last few minutes of this lesson. What's the impact of shame spiritually? As I've already said, shame causes me to try to earn God's approval. Eh, not happening. It's not happening. He will never let us win his approval by what we do for the, with the motive that that's the purpose of what we're doing. If I won't accept his love unconditionally and let him love me just like I am, I won't get his love, and I can't do anything to earn his love. It's not original to me, but I've used it many times because it's absolutely the truth. The Lord loves me just like I am, but he loves me too much to leave me like I am. But I've got to come to him just like I am, and I've got to let him love me just like I am. Every bit of the baggage I've got, I've got to let him love me just like I am. Because by receiving his love just like I am and, and believing that he loves me just like I am, that love, his love, will then begin to be able to work in me to lead me and empower me to a place of deliverance and healing so that I can know just how much he loves me. My motive for doing his will and work is to earn God's approval and not to glorify God when my motive comes from shame. So shame will cause me to have a motive for doing his will and his work to earn his approval and glorified God won't even be on my radar. Or if it is, it's only a mental thing. In my heart, my emotions, my inner man, my motive is not to glorify God. If I can do things to glorify God, maybe I could take just a little bit of that for myself here, see. I mean, it was me, after all, that he used, so why don't I get a little bit of that? Well, that's exactly what happened with Lucifer. Lucifer, one of the three archangels. He was the archangel of worship, apparently. Uh, that's what I believe from what I've studied. Well, the it was, he had all these angels under him. They were not warrior angels. They were not messenger angels. They were angels that were created to praise and worship God. And so all of their praise and worship passed through Lucifer to God. Somewhere along the line he decided he deserved a little bit of that for himself. He decided he wanted to do, make his own decisions in some ways. That's called iniquity. When I take God's glory and I do my will and not his, which is essentially synonymous, I'm participating in iniquity. No matter how human it is, No matter how much we work to justify it, it is never acceptable to God to take his glory and use it for our own benefit. No matter how much we need it, I need it. I I need need to feel better about myself. God has a way to fix all that, and he will fix all that his way. But he's not going to let us fix it by doing what he's told us to do and letting him use us and then us taking even a portion of the credit of the glory for what he's done through us so that we can feel better about ourselves. This motive of doing what I do so the Lord will approve of me proves that I do not believe that God loves me. When I cannot accept the love of God as a gift unconditionally, I am proving that I do not believe that God loves me. I'm proving it. Maybe not from our perspective, but from God's perspective. You may remember in one of the last lessons of part one, we talked about love being demonstrated to exist by what we do. So if what I'm doing for God or the Lord, I'm a. I'm yielded to God so he can do through me. If I'm not, if the motive for yielding and being his vessel, his instrument, his conduit is not so that he can minister and he can be glorified. And I'm doing it at all to any degree. So people will approve of me, applaud me, brag about me. My motive is wrong. God is not going to accept that. This is wrong motive, and God always resists wrong motive. The answer here is this. We need to be delivered from shame. We need to be healed from shame. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? If I'm ever going to be truly pleasing to God, I have to be willing to let God reveal in me whatever it is he needs to reveal. And deal with it however he chooses to deal with it so that I can be whole. And in my wholeness, my spiritual wholeness, I won't need his glory. I want him to have a bit of it because of my thanksgiving. That's why Paul said, "O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He, th- he said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ our Lord. My deliverance is going to come by Jesus. My healing is going to come by Jesus. And the ultimate goal is to give him thanks, to give him praise, to give him honor because it all is his. All the credit goes to him. None of it goes to me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you and I would be able to let him reveal to us everything in us that doesn't need to be there, that's negative to our walk with him, our fellowship with him, our being used by him, that he would heal us of that, that we would let him do that. In Jesus' name, I loose the spirit of grace upon you and upon myself that we might be empowered by the Holy Ghost to be able to face these things and believe that he loves us and wants to heal us. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.